Today we're going to be discussing just in general, because this is a really complicated cat, man. We're going to be discussing the one and only Mr. Winton Marcellus. Winton Marcellus. Born uh, October 18, 1961, in a suburb of uh, New Orleans known as Kenner. His parents are Ellis Marcellus Jr. and Dolores Ferdinand Marcellus. He was one of several sons, uh, children. Um, they were prolific, the Marcelluses, and uh, several musicians came out of that uh, family as well. Including Delphio, great trombone player, Branford, the trombonist, uh, obviously Winton, the trumpet player, and uh, Jason, the uh, compositional and percussion uh, genius uh, of the family. Uh, Winton's life started like everybody's life. He um, he liked to do stuff everybody else does. He liked to play basketball, liked to do jokes, liked to go outside and play and, you know, do all the stuff young guys like to do. Didn't have a serious interest in music at all. Uh, his father was a piano player, jazz piano player, who started life as a saxophone player. But uh, once he got uh, into his uh, later years as a music major, he switched to classical piano. Um, and that became his instrument of choice going forward. Um, at any rate, uh, one day he is sitting with uh, three trumpet players at a table. Uh, he was at that time playing with Al Hurt, so Al Hurt was sitting there, and Miles Davis was sitting there, and Clark Terry was sitting there. And uh, Ellis just jokingly said, you know, I think I'm going to have to get my son Winton a trumpet. And they all laughed because they knew that uh, Ellis was a pianist and they knew that Winton had been named for the great Winton Kelly, who is a great pianist, and all of a sudden he wants this kid to have a trumpet. And so the guys just kind of look at him, but Al Hurt went, I've got several trumpets, I'll give you one. So at six years of age, young Winton got a trumpet. And it just kind of sat there <laughs> for another six years. He didn't practice, he didn't do anything. He just kind of looked at it and played with it and put it back in the case and went outside and played ball and look at the girls and do all the things that young guys do. Somewhere around 12, he started practicing and got pretty serious about it. Uh, he was going to uh, Ben Franklin High School in New Orleans and um, pretty soon uh, entered the uh, New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. Uh, and his major was classical music. You heard it, classical music. That was what he was doing and that's what he did for a long time, including playing in uh, orchestras uh, in New Orleans area, uh, uh, being one of the youngest players ever. Uh, in the Civic Orchestra there, and uh, winning contests, playing uh, classical literature on the trumpet, including uh, the Haydn Concerto and uh, Bach's Brandenburg at a very young age, and this is all before the age of uh, 17. Um, so when he made that transition from I'm just going to be a kid to, you know what, I think I'm going to take this trumpet serious, he went full blast, man. 
So now he is so good that he is blowing all the pros away and he's starting to look around at his culture there because although he's studying classical music, he's in New Orleans, baby. So he starts playing in a funk band as well because you got to get the shaking going on and playing the funk bands, you get to watch all the pretty girls dance. You know, he liked that. And then he played in those famous New Orleans street bands as well. And so he lacked all that attention too. So he had two sides to him now. He had that classical side, but he had that funky New Orleans side going as well. Um, he ended up uh, leaving New Orleans and going to New York to study at Juilliard. And just like Miles Davis, uh, he did study there, but not for long, <laughs> about a year. I think he went there in 81. And by 82, uh, Bohena. Uh, Art Blakey had uh, drafted him for a big band he had and then later added him to the Messengers and soon after went and became the music director for the Messengers and did his first recordings uh, with uh, Art Blakey. And uh, Winton says it was this relationship with Art Blakey that caused him uh, to decide not to return to Juliet and not to return to classical music, but to pursue jazz. Although he obviously kept going uh, with the classical music as well. Um, most people know that when is still the only musician in history to win a Grammy in classical music and jazz in the same year. The only musician in history. And his, um, uh, chief uh, influences are everybody uh, from Maurice Andre, uh, classical trumpet, to uh, Dizzy Gillespie. Uh, so we had a variety of influences on both sides of the horn, as we like to say, both the classical and the jazz. But uh, soon after playing uh, with Bohannon's band, uh, he went on tour with Herbie Hancock. So, uh, I mean, he's at the top of the game now. You go from uh, your messengers to Herbie, you're playing with the bad cats of all the bad cats of all the bad cats. And that's working for him. Uh, his first um, recordings, I think, around the same time, uh, 82, there, he had a contract with Columbia. Um, I remember discovering him about this time uh, because I had been to New Orleans in 82 and saw his father, Ellis, teaching at um, the New Orleans uh, Center for the Creative Arts. Uh, and I had never heard of Winton. Uh, during that summer, when I was on tour with my dear son, Coast Sound, I met a good friend of mine, uh, Frank Doherty, who said he participated in a recording session with a young trumpet player who he said was going to turn the world on his ear. And that person was Wynton Marcellus. I remember the conversation. And about a year later, when this album started just bouncing all over the world, and people was like, Wynton, 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 I went, Frank must have known what he was talking about. Not this Frank, but Frank Doherty. Um, soon after that first album, many other albums came about. Um, he started a group uh, with his brother, Kenny Watts, with Kenny. Uh, Johnny Moffat on the bass, uh, did one or two albums, did some tours. Uh, Branford and Kenny Kirkland left to play with Sting. 
and that kind of ended uh, that particular band. Um, uh, Shortcut Moffat went on to a solo career and went and uh, recast his band with a total new set of musicians uh, that included Wycliffe Gordon uh, and eventually uh, Marcus Roberts, you know, all with a Florida uh, connection there, Florida A&M for um, uh, uh, Wycliffe, uh, Todd Williams, uh, Warm Daddy, Russell Anderson, uh, expanded group, and uh, that continued. The sextet uh, was just awesome, but the music went from the front edge, uh, hard bop he had been doing with Bramford, to a more reflective uh, revisiting of New York traditions, or New Orleans traditions, I'm sorry, New Orleans traditions, uh, a big part of his heart, as was Duke Ellington which is going to uh, come up later um, as he helped direct a summer music series for Lincoln Center called Classical Jazz Series for the Summer. And it was so successful that they offered him a job and pretty soon he had his own little department. And pretty soon he had his own entity, Jazz at Lincoln Center. And pretty soon, it was a separate independent entity that worked under the uh, Lincoln Center umbrella and the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra. He is director of that, director of the center, uh, many, many education programs, but then most certainly preserving the music and bringing a whole lot of people to the front as uh, only Winston can do. Um, there are some people who say he is too restrictive. When Miles Davis first met him uh, later, uh, as Winton has some stature, and uh, Miles is playing his fusion funk kind of thing, and Winton walks up, uh, Miles goes, oh, here come the police, because Winton had this very strict um, and some people say narrow view of what jazz is. I'm not so sure. Jazz is jazz. Fusion is fusion. That's jazz and something else, not just jazz. But anyway, that's another story for another day. At any rate, Winton reciprocated as he referred to Miles as a great general who gone on to fight for another country. <laughs> he abandoned jazz for rock and roll. Poof! So that was the uh, relationship that uh, Miles and, and Winton had, uh, but that was in Winton's youth. Some of the beautiful things he did was the story of Jesse and Leona, which is embedded in Blood on the Fields a um, jazz oratorio about two slaves fighting for their lives and fighting for freedom. Several movements, the first piece ever to win a Pulitzer Prize for music. I think that's somewhere around uh, 1997. 
He's done all sorts of extraordinary works, which I really don't have time to get into now. This is such a complicated figure, and he is so hyperproductive in his playing, in his composing, in his um, uh, advocacy for this music and musicians and for the culture and for so many other things that we got to come back to Winton and deal with some of the works that he is doing outside of jazz at Lincoln Center because there are lots of things and recordings and lectures and educational programs and you name it, Winton is doing it. So let me say this. This is a guy that did not at first embrace music as his path. But look at where he wound up. Once he got started, you couldn't stop him. The first and only Pulitzer for music, Blood on the Fields, that's him. Creating this whole thing we call jazz at Lincoln Center. Dizzy's Coca-Cola and all of that is part of his vision. Essentially, Ellington, which we will talk about in an upcoming uh, lecture. And the fact that he is at 22 years of age, 22 years of age, he won Grammys in classical and jazz. And to this moment, no one has ever done that. And you know what? There probably never will be no one who does. Winton is a singular genius of our time. Thank you so very much. We'll get back to Winton in an upcoming series. Thank you.